going on, everybody? Welcome to the Church on the North Coast podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson. With you all by myself today, listen, our greatest desire is to encourage ministry leaders to empower and equip volunteers and to strengthen and build every believer in Jesus. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. So glad you're with me today. Like I said, I'm all alone in the studio today, which is kind of fun for me. Allows me to be uninterrupted in my thought processes, but I want to talk about today with you about vision. I've been sharing a lot uh, for the first part of the year uh, on vision, and uh, it's, it's essential that you have a vision. I want to encourage you to stay connected uh, to what's happening in the house uh, at Church on the North Coast. I, I really feel like God's given me this blueprint, this interesting blueprint for the entirety of the year. Uh, so I've taken the entire year. And God has assigned to each month two doctrinal principles or doctrinal tenets of faith to, uh, to address. So I have a, an entire year kind of mapped out, and I look forward to kind of sharing that with the congregation. I feel like it is going to be strengthening, uh, equipping for the believer, as well as uh, uh, revelatory. So I feel like the Pentecostal church does, Pentecostal, non-denominational, <laughs> should I say, as opposed to the denominational. So, so denominations do a really good job at doctrine, providing the doctrine of why they believe what they believe in their respective, uh, you know, denominations. Uh, whereas the non-denominational churches kind of go from revelation to revelation to revelation. And I don't know that that's always good for us in the non-denominational church because we can miss a lot of stuff as we just go from revelation, from the wind of God to the next wind of God to the next wind of God. And so I think from Sunday to Sunday, we miss the opportunity to actually feed the congregation and uh, our core core families, really the the doctrinal principles and truth of God's Word. So I, I have that all laid out and look forward to sharing it with you. Uh, this is, uh, vision is, is obviously something that you want to start your year with. So uh, I started off talking about vision, and there were three texts that I, I felt were really good. Uh, when you talk about vision, of course, Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3, where he tells the prophet says, I'm going to set myself up in the rampart, and I'm going to listen for God to speak. And when he speaks, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to correct myself, which is interesting that, uh, that a prophet, you know, because he's, he's the one that would see what God would say. And, uh, you know, that's their entire ministry is to actually see what other people don't. That's, that's where they excel is in seeing what others do not seeing what God sees. And he assumes uh, automatically that he's not seeing right. And so I think in many cases, we our approach to God uh, at the beginning of the year should, should be that. I think it, it would be wise for us to approach you know, our lives in that manner, to say, God, I don't, I don't know that I'm seeing this correctly. So I'm going to set myself in, in a way that is going to allow myself to be open uh, to correction, and when correction comes, rather than resist it, I'll accept it because um, because I already know that I'm not seeing it right. And 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 I ask you today, as you listen, uh, how well do you see? How well do you think you see? 
uh, in front of you. I'm going to give you some definitions. So, so uh, let, let me give you the text first. So the text that I'll use uh, in the next 45 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever, um, the, the text, of course, Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3, Mark 8, 22 to 26, and then uh, the Proverbs. Proverbs, I believe it's 29. Let me go here and look. But I believe it's Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 8. Yes, Proverbs 29, 18. That one I want you to read in the King James Version, Proverbs 29, 18, because it says, it says, for a lack of vision, my people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish, which is, you know, so it's expedient. Like you must develop a vision for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your your job, for your career, for, uh, you know, anything you, you're involved in, you must establish a vision because where there's no vision, there is this decay that begins to occur. We're, we are people that thrive and live with vision. You know, if you have vision, you can endure anything. You can endure. This is what Paul said. He said, I received the heavenly vision when he was giving testimony uh, to one of the the very powerful people of his day, he was testifying how he was knocked off of a horse on the Damascus Road, was blinded, and then received a heavenly vision. Not until we're blind, oftentimes, do we receive and see things the way that perhaps God sees them. And so he says, I received the heavenly vision. So where there's no vision, people perish. So so vision... If you get a vision for your life, there's no sickness that can keep you sick. There's no circumstance that can deflate you. There's, no, there's nothing that you're going to face that you won't be able to go through as long as you have a vision. Now, if you don't have a vision, then you would be overwhelmed. You would be overtaken. And so where there is vision, then people live and people thrive. And so my advice is to develop a vision for your life. Do you have a vision for your life for 2023? What's the vision of God for your life? A couple of definitions. So the first one I want to share with you is uh, vision is an illustrated destiny. Vision is an illustrated destiny. So it's not enough that you drive in the general vicinity of your destination. You must be specific. And in order to be specific, you must create an illustration in your mind. I liken this concept to this idea. We were between our second and third homes, and we were looking at homes. We were touring homes and trying to figure out which which of these houses, which style of house we liked and we wanted to move into. And, and uh, we were in this one house. It was a beautiful house. And, and uh, as I was going through the house, I, I began to stop in certain rooms. And as I would stop in those rooms, I would stare. I would stare into this empty room. And what I began to do was I began to take my furniture, my things from my old house and I began to place them in this new house, this new place. 
I began to take what was old. I began to take the portions of me that I wanted, and I began to put it in the room. I began to place furniture. And my question to you is, have you taken the vision that God has given you, and have you placed your current life in that illustrated destination? And not until you do that does it become real. Does it become detailed enough to where you can begin to run to it? This is why the prophet said, write the vision down. Habakkuk 2, verses 1, he said, write the vision down. Why? Because you need something to run to. And what happens is when you place your life in your future life, you begin to move in the direction of your destiny. And do you do that? Are you doing that? Have you done that? Have you done that for your marriage? Have you done that for your, uh, your job, your, your career? Place the furniture of your current life in your future life. When you do that, you become so specific that you begin to move in the direction of your destination with efficiency. You begin to move with efficiency because you know, you know the address. You know, uh, we started using GPS a while ago, you know, and then what we learned was there's more than, uh, the, the post office has more than just a five-number zip code for you. Your, your zip code is actually seven numbers. So there's five in the, in the beginning and then four. Because you, put the, you put the address in your GPS and it, it will give you a more detailed location with the rest of the zip code. And that's what you want to do with your vision. You want to give your vision an illustration to run to. You want to you have something so detailed that you're not just moving in the general vicinity, hoping and wishing that this thing happens, but rather you're, you're moving with efficiency and you know exactly what it looks like. You know exactly where the furniture is going to go. And I was, I was in this house and I was staring into this empty space. And, you know, that's a good word for a lot of us because a lot of us are in, living in something right now. And the only way to, to get out of what you're currently living in is to stare into the next thing. And I began to stare into this thing. And what I began to do is imagine what this would look like with me living in it. And my, my question is, do you, are you doing that? Are you doing that for your life? Are you staring into the future of your life and imagining yourself into it, in it? And around the corner, the realtor came and she, she, said, uh, she said, what are you doing? And I, I thought, oh, nothing. She said, you're placing furniture, aren't you? And I said, how did you know? <laughs> you know, because that's her job. Her job is to, is to sell you your future place. And God's trying to sell you your future place. And, he'll, and here's the thing. You got to get around people that, that sell you your future place, that sell you your destiny. You got to get around people that, that, that say, well, tell me, where are you going to put your couch? Where are you going to put your car? Where are you going to put all your, you know, your, your tools? Where, where are you going to put these? Like begin to place, tell me all about what you see right now. Tell me what you see. And this is what the prophet said. He said, I'm going to write it down. So I give myself something to look forward to. And I, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to run to it. And it's going to be so specific that when I show up to it, I'm going to know that's it. And so what I want you to do is begin to imagine your life. Take, your, take the furniture of your life currently 
and leave everything else behind. Like that was another thing. When we moved, we, we didn't take unnecessary things. It was a time of purging. And in 23, like it's a good time to like let go of the things that you've learned that you don't need. And then I'm telling you, they're just things you don't need in your life. You don't need drama. You don't need gossip. You, you, you don't need negativity. You, you don't need to watch the news as much. You don't need to, to, to entertain gossip. As, you know, there's just things you don't need. You don't need bitterness. You don't need offense. You don't. And so, so purge the things that don't and move into, begin to not, like now move into the life that you know God has for you. He has this destiny for you. But don't bring the stuff that brought you distress from 22 in the 23 look specifically like be articulate what it's supposed to look like and what you want there what do you want there what does god want for you in 23 put only that in 2023 let everything else leave it behind throw it in the dumpster don't take it with you begin to articulate vision is an illustrated destiny so illustrate your destination and begin to move in the direction of it. And if I were to ask you right now, how well do you see? What would be your answer? There was this story in Mark 8, 22 to 23, where it says he took a, he took a blind man by the hand, Jesus, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, he put his hands on his eyes and he asked him, do you see anything? And he said, uh, he said, well, I see men like trees. I see a little bit. Verse 25 says, then he put his hands on his eyes again and he made him look up, and he was restored, and he saw everyone clearly. Three principles I'm going to share with you real fast, and then we'll come back maybe next week on part two of vision. But three principles from this story that I want you to put in your pocket. First of all, your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. You hear me? Your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. The touch of Jesus is progressive though. I want you to recognize that. The touch of Jesus is progressive in your life. And you, you gotta ask yourself, why would Jesus spit in this guy's eye? You know, why did Jesus spit in his guy in this man's eyes? It seems so offensive. It seems so uh repulsive that Jesus would spit. But he was actually he was doing something very kind and compassionate. They were in the middle of uh, the the desert, and so uh, many believe that he had an infection. He had an infection that he was that was left untreated, and because the infection was left untreated, there was a crust that began to film, uh, form over his eyes, and eventually the infection got so bad that the crust laid over his eyes so much that it, he couldn't see beyond it, and it was too painful for him to to uh, to, to kind of pull the, the the crust off of his eyes. And so when Jesus sees this, Jesus spits into his eyes to soften the touch that's about to remove the infection that created the crust. And, you know, when you consider what's happening here, what you have to embrace is this idea that, that there are some things that have created an infection that has not been treated that's causing us to see unclearly that that the infection of sin and false belief now I want you to write those two things down that there is an infection that's if it's left untreated it creates blindness it creates blindness and the infection of sin Jesus spits in his eyes softens the crust 
and then moves it. His first spit in the guy's eye was to remove the crust formed by the infection. When Jesus often touches us, he'll, he'll remove, when we come to Jesus, he removes the crust formed by the infection of sin in our lives and allows us to see, gives us this ability to see. But it's not enough that we see on the outside. We were driving to uh, Florida with my, my father and my, my brother was with me. And we were in a rush, and so we got we got to the uh, the the rental car place, and they didn't have the car we rented, so we ended up taking a car that wasn't cleaned out, that wasn't cleaned, it hadn't been serviced. We just jumped in the car and took off, and and uh, we were trying to clean it on the way. Well, uh, as we got in, we realized, man, that the window was so dirty. Uh, we stopped at a gas station, we cleaned it off pulled all the trash out of it and we kept on going and life's that way. You know, it just, you know, you just, you deal with what's on the outside just well enough to keep it moving. Right. You're just so busy that, you know, sin has stopped you. And so you deal with sin, you give it to Jesus and Jesus, he, you know, he, he cleans the outside of the window and uh, we kept, we kept driving man. we're going 80 miles an hour down 71 South. And man, it just, we still couldn't see very clearly. Well, the story says that Jesus touched the man a second time. Do you ever wonder, like, why did it take Jesus two touches to to touch this man to give him clarity of vision? Well, the first touch was for the sin that created the infection on the outside, and Jesus dealt with that. And Jesus deals with that with us. He he deals with our sin. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He, he wipes away the crust of sin in our life and allows us to see clear. But what what the second touch did was what my what, what happened to us on the way down. We're about four states into this drive, seventy one south, eighty miles an hour down a missile but we can't see that good. About four states in, you know, we, we, we got to the point of where we were like, man, we still can't see. And my dad, my dad leans forward and he says, hey, I think that, that that dirt is on the inside of the window, not on the outside. We've been trying to clean the outside over and over and over again, but really, I think it's on the inside. And sure enough, I, I pulled my hand forward and I wiped away the, the, wind, the windshield on the inside, and it was on the inside. And I believe that the, that the touch of Jesus the second time was dealing with all of the trauma from that man's life that, that created this inability for him to see from the inside. And false belief is that way. You know, it, it forms... False belief is formed by experience after experience after experience. And before you know it, we begin to, to formulate beliefs that are our own, but they're not necessarily Jesus's. And when Jesus touches him the second time, he touches him on the inside. And I believe most Christians today need that touch. They, are, they come to Jesus for the sin that's created by the infection of sin that's created the crust on the outside. We give all of our sins to Jesus, but we still don't see clear enough. And what's required most times in many believers' lives is this progressive 
approach to Jesus that says, touch me again. Spit in my eye again. Touch me again. Touch me again. Heal what's on the inside. And most of us need not, not just our sin dealt with, but most of us need after we've had our sin dealt with, we need Jesus to touch us on the inside where our heart's been damaged and crusted over by offense and bitterness and resentment and the experiences of life that have taught us to, to see a certain way and now we can't see beyond that. Maybe this, this side of the aisle taught us to see this way or this aisle, the aisle taught us to see this way. It's a false belief system. Any belief system that is not the belief system of the Bible in Jesus is false. And any belief system that's false will pervert your vision. It will distort and malign how you see. And so my question to you is, how do you see? How do you see? Perhaps you've dealt with your sin, but maybe, maybe you need Jesus to touch you on the inside. Maybe there's some, some trauma from your childhood that you need Jesus to heal. Maybe there's some, there's a, you know, there's some small minded, you know, ability to, to see that you need Jesus to touch. How do you see? So that's the first thing I want you to take away from this story, that your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. And you got to ask yourself that all the time to make sure you're seeing right. You want to see right. So you just, you want to go back and say, Jesus, am I seeing this thing right? And if I'm not, touch me on the inside. And if there's sin on the outside, spit in my eye and touch me on the outside, Jesus. Spit in my eye, touch me on the outside. Touch me, Jesus, on the inside so I see clearly. The second thing I want to, the principle I want to share with you from Mark 8, 22 to 26 is this, that vision is impaired by exposure to what is common. Did you notice that Jesus took him by the hand and led him away from what was common, what he knew, what he was used to, all the people that he knew, all the friendships that he knew? He had to take him by the hand and he had to lead him out. He led him out. He led him out. He had to lead him away from what he knew. Your vision, you got to understand this. Your vision is, in, is impaired by what it's exposed to. This is a principle all through the Bible. God would always call his, his people away from what they knew. Abraham, he said, Abraham, I need you to get away from your family. You got to get away. You got to go. You got to get as far away from here as possible. David was called. He would, he would pull David away into the wilderness. He was called to the sheep fields. And he was called to the, to the, to the hills of Bethlehem. Why? Because he, I can't have you seeing the way everybody else sees. Everyone else is seeing small. Everybody else is seeing the way, you know, j just good enough. And, and in 2023... What I want you to do with your life is determine that you're not going to allow yourself to be exposed to what is common. God wants you to see clearly what he has for you. So he's going to lead you away from what you've known your whole life. Vision is so affected by environment that sometimes you're going to have to get away, sneak away to places and see greater things, get away from smallness and good enough mentalities. 
This is why Jesus said a prophet's not without, he's, he's not honored in his own place because they all, they all, their vision of, of him is so, so, so small. So there's no honor there. And so what did God say? I can't do a whole lot where I'm from because they have such a small mind. They have such an inability to see me for more than, than who I am as, as just this Jesus, the dude who builds chairs. God, God's going to get you away from things in 23. And, and in order to do that, you're just going to have to be willing to, to go. And you're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable in 2023. You're going to say, okay, God, take me into bigger rooms. Take me into bigger places. Show me more you know, uh, show me, show me a detailed vision of something so much greater than what I'm used to. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of us because most of us only, we, we like to be comfort. See that your flesh wants to be comfortable. But if Ju- Jesus is going to change the way you see, he's got to change what you see. And so you're going to have to partner with him to see the greater. Begin to only look for the greater. I'm looking for the greater. Is there, I'm looking for better. I'm looking for excellent. I'm not looking for perfect, but I am looking for excellent. I'm looking for the best possible that God has for me right now. And I'm not going to let go of it. The other day I had God speak something to me and, and, uh, I have a dream wall in my office. And so, uh, when God says something, I illustrate it immediately. I write it down and I illustrate it immediately. So it's, it is the word. So I take the word from God and I write it down. And then I take an image of what that word looks like to me. And I put it on my dream wall. Now there's two things I'm showing you here. Now, the reason that you have to take and you have to write it down is because God is obligated to move He cannot lie. So when he says something, he must do what he said. When the prophet gets the vision from God, he does what? He writes it down. He writes the word of God down. Why? Because God, it's impossible for God to lie. He says, so shall my word be. I cannot lie. I cannot lie. If I spoke it, I must do what? It will come back to me exactly like what I said. John 1.14 says this, says the word was Jesus. The word was Jesus. And what happened? The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. I want you to see that, that the word The Logos became flesh. The prophet said, I got to take the Logos of God and I got to write it down and I got to run to it until the reality of what God said begins to manifest in my present tense. So I want you to see the power of God here. You've got to write the word down. Why do you write it? Because God is obligated to the logos. God has to respond to his logos word. And if you begin to write the logos down, God says, once I see my word, once, I see, once I'm reminded of my word, I must make the word become a reality for the believer. So vision is this. Vision is a word made real. 
And you've got to begin to write down, get a word from God. Now, it's important that you don't get a word from your soul. You can't get a word from your emotions, your thoughts, your, your feelings. You have to get a word from God because a word from you, you won't manifest. It won't, be, it won't put on flesh and dwell among you. But a word from God, God says, I have to make the word. I have to put the word on. I have to put flesh on the word. I have to make it real. It, it would have been easy for Jesus just to remain the word. But once God spoke it, once God said what he said, he was obligated to it. And you need to live with the reality of if God gave you a word, you don't stop pursuing that word. That's why you run to it. You run to it until, until you run into it. You run to it until you run into it, meaning you don't stop running by faith to what God said because that's his word until that word begins to walk on water, until that word begins to breathe on you, until that word begins to speak to you, until that word, until you can hold it, until you can have dinner with it, until you can sit in the living room space that he said about it. You don't stop until that word becomes a reality because God is obligated to the logos. The logos must become flesh and dwell among us in order to confirm the reality that God shall not lie. He's not like us. He is God. He will not lie. He is not a man that he should lie. So you need to understand that in order to change your S-I-T-E, you need to improve your S-I-G-H-T. You got to change your sight and when you change where you are, your environment, you begin to see more, God will improve your vision. And that's how he does. He's going to pull you out and he's not going to tell you where, you know, what it's going to look like. He's just going to say, here's the, here's the vision. And he's not going to tell you what it looks like in between. He's going to say, you don't stop moving to that. You don't compromise that until you arrive in what I've shown you what your future looks like. I've given you hope in the future. So don't stop moving to it until, until you arrive. So that means you got to get away from smallness and good enough in 2023. Smallness and good, good enough. You got to get away from it. Anything that doesn't look like the word of God, the logos of God in your life, get away from it. Let it go. Throw it in the dumpster. Don't let it move into your new place with you. You've got to get away from it. And then lastly, lastly, the deeper the healing. So number three, this is the principle from Mark 8. Number three is the greater the touch of Jesus, the greater the offense to your flesh. Everybody wants healed. Everyone's, everyone wants a greater vision, but nobody wants Jesus to spit in their eye. So that, that means to receive healing, we're going to have to surrender our, fly, our, our pride, and we're going to to, we're gonna have to like allow the indictment of Jesus' word to to push us i went to my closet the other day and i went to put on a skinny suit i got a skinny suit i went to i went in there to go put it on and uh and that skinny suit was an offense to where i currently was in my in my diet what that skinny suit did was it told me you might think you're doing okay but you're not doing good enough to fit this suit and that, and that is like, if we as believers could begin to, rather than to take offense at something like that, if when Jesus touches us and he touches us in a way, like when he touches us, it's going to offend you because what it's going to do is going to remind you that you're not there yet, that you have not arrived yet. It's going to remind you that you have, you have more, you have 
a farther distance to go until you could put this suit on, until you can walk in the reality of that. So oftentimes that feels like a spit in the eye. But but you've got to get to the point to where you would rather him spit in your eye and arrive at your destiny than to be kind to you and allow you to live life with half the vision that he promised to you. That's where you got to get in your vision. You got to get to a place where you say, Jesus, I don't even care if you spit in my eye. Just, just let me see clear. I want to fit this suit. I got to get in this suit. So what does that mean? I got to, I got to do, I got to do what others won't. I got to make some adjustments. And that's what the prophet said in Habakkuk too. He said, I'm going to set myself up different. I'm going to make some adjustments for 2023 that will allow me to fit that suit by the end of, of 2020, by, by the middle of 2023, I'm going to fit that suit. The only way I'm going to fit that suit is if I make hard adjustments. So I got I to gotta set myself up in the rampart and I got to wait to be corrected for what God will say. So when he speaks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adjust. I'm going to fix it. I'm not going to take offense to it because I want to see clearly. And the saliva of Jesus, the healing balm of Jesus is the only thing that can heal you good enough It's the only thing that's going to allow you to see the destiny that God has for you is his touch. But that touch comes with the price. And the price of that touch is it will indict where you currently are. It's never, it will always indict you. It's never going to let you be comfortable. I pray you were encouraged today. Uh, Listen, you got to stop looking in the rearview mirror. Stop looking in the rearview mirror of uh of 2022 don't look back there and here the only time you look back is 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 here this is what you look back for you look back as a point of reference and a proof of your progress so i want to see you always in the in the windshield never in the rearview mirror and if you're in that rearview mirror you're just let you're just encouraging yourself to say hey look how far i have come look how small yesterday is becoming god's giving you hope in the future you got to get to it illustrate your future illustrate it Set some furniture in it. Put yourself together. Put a vision together for your life in 2023. I love you. It was good being with you today. That's all the time I have today. I pray you were encouraged. I pray that you were empowered. I pray the word of the Lord spoke to you today. I got to go. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I pray you were encouraged. Until next time, wake up and hustle like heaven. Make sure somebody out there feels the effects of your influence. Bring heaven to your home, your city, your nation. Don't wait till it's too late. Get to a place that manufactures hope this Sunday. Get to church. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson. It's great being with you. Bless you.